Welcome to the politicalbetting.com Polling Matters podcast. My name is Kieran Pedley. And we're doing a slightly different uh, show than usual this week. This week's going to be a solo show. I did have a guest lined up to appear on this week's episode, but unfortunately they were called away at the last minute. But I still wanted to do an episode. I didn't do one last week because I was away on holiday in America. Um, more on that shortly. Um, and I do like to do these podcasts weekly if I can. So I had to sort of readjust slightly at short notice um, to produce um, a solo show to go over some of the uh, polling and political news that's out there this week. And there is a few, there are a few different um, news items that we want to cover. So hopefully this episode goes well. Do let me know um, what you think of a solo show. It's a very different animal to what we're used to. Um, I do think it will be a slightly shorter show than usual, um, possibly in the region of 10 to 15 minutes as opposed to the usual uh, half an hour to 40 minutes. I don't think you want me to drone on for that long, do you? But um, anyway, without further ado, let's crack on and see how we do. Um, I guess the first place to start really would be uh, with America, with events over in the, the States, given that I've just been there. And I suppose, as you might expect, uh, the news cycle in America is very much dominated by the horrific hurricanes um, that we've been seeing there, first in Texas with Harvey and now in Florida and elsewhere with Irma. And, you know, they really do put it all into um, perspective, really, when we talk about polling and and politics and what's going on in the news. I mean, it all pales into comparison, really, when you see people uh, losing their homes and, in some cases, their lives. Um, my wife and I, Courtney, um, we do have sort of friends of family in Texas who had to ha be evacuated. And Courtney herself has um, sort of extended family and relatives in Florida on the West Coast as well. So you know, thoughts very much uh, with them at, at this time. Um, there isn't loads of space for politics as such in the US at, at the moment as a result, although these things are always um, political. But my impression is that the president, insofar as Trump is really responsible for anything that happens with these hurricanes, has, has done a reasonably good job. I don't think there's any prevailing narrative that he's um, done badly or mishandled um, the situation. We remember George W. Bush with Hurricane Katrina uh, very much um, was put on the back foot um, by by being seen to mishandle that crisis uh, quite significantly. Now, some people will say that, you know, the president's reaction to these events is seen through the prism of their approval rating, but I'm not sure that's 100% true. I mean, yes, Bush was unpopular at the time and Katrina certainly reinforced those negative perceptions but Trump is already unpopular and it doesn't seem to be the case that he's been seen as doing a bad job as a result of that. Um, if anything, actually, if we look at the polls, his approval rating has uh, been steadily improving uh, of late from a very, very low base, it should be said. Um, at the end of August, his approval rating hovered around 34% um, and a Gallup's approval rating that was published on the uh, the, the 31st of um of August did did have him at 34% approved, 61% disapproved, which was a minus 27 net approval. But the latest one published um, today has an, an approval rating of 38 um, and disapproved 57 um, and then the net approval of minus 19. So still not good, but up four points from where it was a couple of weeks ago. So very hard to attribute that to anything in particular. Is that because he's handled the hurricane situation well? hard to say. We should be very careful about apportioning any sort of uh, sort of correlation or causation to that 
um, to those events. But anyway, approval rating is ticking up slightly. So that is um, that is something to follow and whether or not that's a consistent pattern that we see that goes into the, the autumn, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I said earlier there isn't really a lot of politics going on in the US, but there is there is certainly certainly some. Um, one of the more sort of eyebrow-raising um, events was uh, Donald Trump doing a deal. You know, he likes his deals. With de- with uh, with the Democrats over um, hurricane relief for Harvey and um, a continuing resolution on the on the budget uh, that runs through to December. So what that means is um, the the debt ceiling is has to be raised by Congress every so often, and that usually provokes something of a political row in Washington. And uh, there was some sense that that was going to happen this autumn. Maybe Donald Trump would insist on um, money for his wall. Uh, as a means of keeping the government open, he did he did uh, allude to the fact he might shut the government down if he didn't get money for his wall. But he hasn't done that. He's done a deal with um, the Democrats to make sure uh, that the uh, debt ceiling is raised, and that that issue gets um, revisited again in December. So that is something that uh, was an eyebrow raiser, as I've said, because you know he had talked big about maybe shutting the government down over the wall, but he's done a deal with the Democrats, and uh, some Republicans aren't particularly uh, happy about that. And it'll be interesting to see how he manages to uh, sustain his base, if you like, uh, particularly in, amongst House Republicans who are very much um, sort of hawks, as it were, uh, on, on, on the deficit. So one to, uh, one to keep an eye out for in the future. What else is going on in the States? Well, we have this issue about the DREAMers, uh, DACA, which is the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program. This is an executive order uh, signed by President Obama in, uh, in his ter- second term in office which is essentially, the long story short, a path for uh, the children of illegal immigrants to um, get sort of permanent residency and uh, citizenship uh, in the United States. So these are people that might have been in the US, you know, 10 to 15 years, undocumented, working, paying taxes and so on. And um, President Obama was very keen that they had a path to becoming a lawful resident or citizen. Um, but Donald Trump has, uh, has essentially scrapped that and, and kicked it back to Congress. So, I mean, the issue here is... Um, you know, other than the actual issue itself is between sort of constitutional conservatives who maybe thought that the president was overstepping his bounds in issuing that executive order and then thinking that that's an issue for Congress versus, of course, uh, people on President Obama's side who essentially think something has to be done about this issue. And uh, if it takes executive action because Congress won't do something, then um, then so be it. But ultimately, it does come down to what your view is about immigration, which was at the heart of Trump's victory. Um, it's at the heart of issues here as well. But there was an interesting poll from Ipsos in the States which um, asked people whether they are supported or opposed the following policies. So the question wording said, under a new immigration plan, illegal immigrants who were born in the US as children or are the parent of a citizen or lawful resident would be allowed to remain in the US and receive work permits. Do you support this plan? And Ipsos found that 74% of Americans supported this plan, 19% opposed, and then 7% didn't know. Now, as you might imagine, this this split on party lines to some extent. 86% of Democrats um, supported the measure, um, only 67% of Republicans. But at the same time, I mean, 67% of Republicans is still two thirds um, supported some sort of Dreamer Act uh, or DACA measure. Um, 29% of Republicans opposed. So a divisive issue for Republicans, but even, even so, uh, two to one in favor amongst Republicans. So I wonder whether President Trump has that in mind when he um, suggests that he actually um, 
you know, has love for dreamers and so on and so forth. Um, but certainly a curious uh, situation there where with Trump obviously putting these people's futures in in great peril and great uncertainty. Um, and yet his rhetoric is to suggest that he supports them. It's a, it's a confusing situation, obviously playing to the base, but mindful of um, maybe mindful of what the polls are saying, too. But we'll have to wait and see what Congress uh, does. It has six months to deal with this. And it's, it's, it's a live issue that certainly isn't going to go away as we enter the midterms um, next year. I suppose before we move on to events uh, back at home, I mean, there is one other thing you might want to um, look at, which is Steve Bannon's interview on CBS uh, 60 Minutes. That's a flagship show in the States with Charlie Rose, um, where, as the the title suggests, there's like an in-depth interview for 60 Minutes with a sort of leading political figure. Um, Some people were criticized, uh, critical of um, Steve Bannon being given that platform. Um, Make of that what you will. He was obviously a key advisor to President Trump, so very, very newsworthy. Um, some some interesting tidbits coming out of that. I do suggest you look at it on YouTube uh, if you get the chance. Um, he said that Donald Trump made the biggest political mistake in uh, modern political history in firing James Comey because that brought in um, the special prosecutor Mueller that so um, potentially threatens Trump's presidency. Um, but at the same time, it was a very supportive interview from Steve Bannon. Um, he accused the GOP establishment of trying to nullify the election results and uh, told of how he sort of holds people like Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell, uh, establishment Republicans essentially, uh, in utter contempt. And there's even rumours, uh, not mentioned in the interview itself, that he's uh, working with uh, conservative, ultra-conservative donors, shall we say, to try and unseat um, senators that haven't been very supportive of Trump, such as Jeff Flake in Arizona and Bob Corker in, in, in Tennessee. So uh, deselections, um, you know, uh, of some kind over in the States. Uh, where have we heard that before? Um, but no, an interesting interview to, to check out uh, if you want some more information on what's going on uh, in America. But we'll leave America there for now. Um, you know, I was just there on holiday, but those were a few of the things that I noticed um, that I thought were interesting. But do keep an eye out on Donald Trump's um, approval rating uh, ticking up. Now, if we move back to uh, the UK, there have been some polls out which I think are, are interesting. Um, today, uh, as I record this, which is on the 12th, Tuesday the 12th, we've got an ICM poll that has the Conservatives and Labour neck and neck uh, on 42 points apiece with the Lib Dems on seven and UKIP on four and the Greens on three and no real changes of any note there. Now, it should be said that when you see ICM polls out there at the moment, these are not the same methodology that was so badly wrong at the general election. They've changed their methodology to one that would have produced a hung parliament uh, during the election. It is worth remembering that pollsters pretty much get the same raw numbers um, back when they collect their data. It's really about how they use them, which um, causes such variance in some of the numbers we've seen, uh, certainly at the general election. So, I mean, can you trust these numbers? Well, can you trust any polling at the moment? Um, you've always got to have a degree of caution uh, with voting intention polls, at least at the moment. But these, this methodology very similar to others that were much, much closer to the results um, in June. So neck and neck, which is interesting because the, the prevailing narrative at the moment is that the Conservatives are uh, in, in a bit of a, a bit of a spot. And I, I, although I do share that view and think they're in a very difficult position with a, an unpopular Prime Minister and a daunting intray with Brexit and other things, we shouldn't confuse ourselves by uh, thinking that Labour are somehow 10, 15 points ahead. Um, they currently aren't. So if the government was to fall overnight, Lord knows what would actually um, happen. 
in, in, a, in a resulting general election. There were some other numbers in the ICM poll um, tweeted out by Mike Smithson of, of this, uh, of this uh, website um, about the impact of Brexit on the economy. So um, 32% thought it would have a positive effect on the economy. Uh, 42% thought Brexit would have a negative effect on the economy. And uh, 14% said no difference. So a net negative of minus 10 there, if you like. And then the impact of Brexit on my personal finances, uh, only 13% thought it would have a positive impact. 30% uh, said it have a negative impact. And uh, 41% said no difference. So a prevailing sense, to use that phrase again, that you know the the economy is not going to be boosted by brexit but at the same time we shouldn't get too excited by these figures they were i mean similar perceptions were there before the um the referendum as well and we all know that obviously leave won so i think that you've got to pay attention to the trend as much as anything else no huge shifts at the moment some minor um increases in negativity if you like um but i wouldn't get too excited and think that this is going to somehow lead to a uh, sort of um, regret of Brexit, if you like. Um, what else? Well, inflation figures have been uh, released that shows inflation rising to 2.9%, which was uh, higher than expected, up from 2.6% in July. Um, that's the joint highest it's been in more than five years. So this does feel like quite significant um, information that's being released, particularly if it carries on. Now, there are some economists that feel that inflation will continue to rise this uh this winter but then fall back again next year we'll have to wait and see um many people will look at inflation in the, through the prism of of brexit and uh you know as evidence that brexit is going badly or, or causing negative um, economic um sort of consequences that may that, that that may very well be true i'm not actually sure that's the most significant um factor here i think that if if there is another sort of cost of living squeeze probably the more significant um consequence might be to um create negative economic um, uh, perceptions amongst the public and maybe give Labour some ammunition to say, here we go again, um, stagnant wages and uh, and falling living standards under the Conservatives. And that sense of the economy going badly might be very, very damaging, um, very, very damaging for the government. So one to follow. But I did think I'd call that out because it, it does feel like something that uh, is going to get more and more significant. Maybe the inflation figures are on their own, not so much, but the wider sort of political outlook and economic outlook um, more so. Now, as I think everyone listening to this knows, the biggest uh, story this week is the um, the vote on the EU withdrawal bill last night, where um, MPs backed the withdrawal bill by 326 votes to 290. Um, this is, of course, the uh, newly worded Great Repeal Bill of sorts, which uh, overturns the 1972 um, European Communities Act and is really about the sort of formal process of um, undertaking Brexit. However, it's not quite as simple as that. This is a very, very convoluted and complicated process. Um, many people are quite angry about the prospect of um, this bill giving um, undue power to ministers to uh, affect uh, and change legislation on the hoof without parliamentary scrutiny. And uh, it's certainly a, a, a concern that I share. I think the problem with issues like this is that people get blown away by the particular issue of the day, e.g. Brexit, and um, allow that, and and allow whether they support or oppose that issue, to dictate whether or not they support the the bill itself. Um, I'm minded to think about America here, where you know President Obama used lots of executive orders to do things that were quite progressive during his time in office, which uh, progressives cheered. 
Um, but of course, that then sets the precedent for uh, President Trump to do things that are maybe less progressive uh, when it, now that he has that power and with uh, less congressional oversight. The same principle really uh, can be applied here. Brexiters might cheer the logic of, um, uh, or, or they might cheer the, uh, the, the the passage of the EU withdrawal bill and uh, not be too bothered about the constitutional uh, sort of mechanisms that deliver that. But actually, they might be bothered when uh, a Corbyn government has the same powers. So, you know, ultimately, it's a complicated situation. The bill has passed for now, but it isn't the final uh, the final say. This will go to committee now. People will have their say over uh, various amendments. And Laura Kunzberg is reporting that the Conservatives think they have, the Conservative rebels, I should say, think they have uh, at least a dozen MPs that um, could, could vote against the final bill uh, in whatever form it sort of materialises in. So if that, if that happens, you don't have to be a genius with the current parliamentary math to know the government would really struggle to get the bill through Parliament. So this story has not gone away, folks, but um, one, to, uh, one to keep an eye out for. But we should all be concerned about anything that concentrates too much power uh, in the hands of ministers and, and sort of uh, restricts parliamentary oversight. Though I must say, I do accept it's a very complicated issue. Um, yeah, Brexit and the, the, the physical withdrawal from the EU will not be easy. Meanwhile, I mean, a couple of other tidbits before we go. Um, there, there was an interesting story that had uh, Theresa May um, sort of floating the idea, um, or the idea is being briefed at least, that there might be a, a cut to interest rates on tuition fees as a means of trying to win back young voters that went for Jeremy Corbyn so so strongly in the general election. Personally, I think this is, um, I mean, on Twitter I've compared this to being uh, the government being semi-skimmed in the face of uh, full-fat labour. And uh, what I mean by that is that, you know, ultimately, Jeremy Corbyn's offer to students is to cancel fees altogether and maybe even to, uh, you know, end up relieving um, them of debt uh, that's already been accrued. Yet the uh, Tories are going to tinker around um, with interest rates on fees. This this isn't going to win back young voters. Um, the, the Conservatives need to give a uh, provide a different offer rather than a, as I say, semi-skimmed version of Labour's one. If they really do want to sort of win over the eighteen to thirty fives, um, even then I'm I'm somewhat sceptical given the um, the sort of cultural identification that young people have with Remain and with being pro-immigration and all these other things that just instinctively make them more likely to be pro-Corbyn. But if the Tories are going to win back some people amongst that audience, they need a different offer around jobs, housing, maybe mortgages, um, other things, rather than just trying to have a sort of a slightly worse version of the Labour offer. It doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, if this is the um, if this is what the Tory fight back amongst uh, for young voters looks like, I don't think it's going to be successful. Um, Another, uh, uh, moving moving on to something a bit different, there's a couple of uh, new polls that have come out in Scotland, which I think um, are worth mentioning. There was a poll by panel base that has um, opposition to independence at 57%. So in a, in a Scottish independence referendum, 43% would support, 57% would oppose. Not really changed much from the last time that poll um, was conducted. So clearly, you know, north of the border, Nicola Sturgeon's got some some issues there really when it comes to uh, trying to convince Scots that independence is worth doing and I guess you know Brexit okay it hasn't formally happened yet but if, if this isn't the material change that's going to lead to a surge in support for independence you do wonder what is. There was also um, in the same poll a uh, parliamentary Scottish Parliament voting attention question. Now that is uh, much more positive for the SNP they're on 42 percent but they have they have fallen by five points. The Conservatives are up 
six points to uh, 28. Labour on 22, Lib Dems on six. So, you know, interesting there, isn't it, that um, the SM here on 42% in the Scottish parliamentary uh, election polling and uh, yes is up 43 so uh, more than a hint of coincidence there. But the Conservatives managing to consolidate their position in Scotland, which, let's not forget, is the main reason why they're still in government in Westminster is Ruth Davidson and her party's uh, performance at the, uh, at the general election. Now, I don't have anything particularly strong to add there in Scotland, but certainly um, that Conservative uh, performance there is going to be something that the uh, party in London concentrates on heavily, given that it, it may yet again hold the key to them uh, staying in power in the long term future. But in any case, I've gone on beyond the uh, the 15 minutes that I plan to uh, today. Uh, I'll leave you with uh, just one final article. I think you should uh, one final article. I think you should read, uh, which is by Electoral Calculus. Not new information by any stretch, but they've looked at some um, regression analysis, which. Um, sort of plots the, the, the general election in terms of wh where the parties were at each stage. And what they've said is that in late April, early May, the Conservatives were on a majority of 132, which fell to a majority of 74, uh, sort of mid-May, if you like. And then in, but in late May, um, they fell to a Conservative minority. Now, I've posted a link to this on Twitter, so you can look at how they've conducted the analysis, very similar to what YouGov have done, of course, and won't be news to many of you. But it is a reminder, I think, that when we look back at the general election, it really was um, a mess and, and, and a stuff up from the Conservatives' perspective. You know, they were cruising to a huge majority. Um, you could even say they were right to call the election from their own um, perspectives, but then they really messed up and uh, have ended up in a minority government, which really will now dictate um, how Brexit goes and where we go as a country um, from here. But I'll, um, I'll leave it there for this week's episode. Hopefully you enjoyed this week's uh, sort of solo show. Do let me know how you think we did. Um, it might be something we do again in the future where, where guests drop out. It's not something I intend to really pursue um, that often. I mean, this week was a very specific situation where I can only do a podcast today. Um, and you know, given the short notice that I had to sort of turn something around, it wasn't possible to get another guest to replace the person that um, that was that dropped out. But these things happen, as I say. Hopefully, we'll get that person back on in, in, the, in the near future. Um, the plan for the podcast is very much to carry on on a weekly basis, but maybe to focus less on, um, you know, the latest news. We'll probably include a sort of five, ten minute segment on each week's podcast, as I've done today, kind of rounding up um, the latest news. But to try and focus on issues. I mean, we talked to Jonathan Porters a couple of weeks ago. Um, about the sort of Brexit and immigration and, and that sort of thing. But we also want to cover issues like climate change, uh, feminism, crime, housing, these sorts of things that polling matters hasn't typically dealt with, but maybe uh, should do in the future. So the real meteor issues that look at data, not just opinion polls, but other data as well, and to try and create, create a deeper sense of um, what, what's going on in the country um, using expert contributors. Uh, contributors uh, as we usually do so uh, hopefully that's of interest but if you do like what you hear do um, give us a like on Facebook do uh, subscribe on iTunes give us a, a rating or a you know comment hopefully positive and uh, but as ever do share us on social media because it's through you sharing what we do that we get our name out there but for now that's all for this week's show and uh, thanks for listening